Hello all, welcome back to TFC's market update. This week, we have a lot to talk about. Tech giants, Google, Microsoft, and Apple have record growth rates for the second quarter, and they were all for different reasons. Are they specializing in the area that gives them the most competitive advantage? Robinhood, a trading app, has IPO'd, and Tencent is about to lose its exclusive music rights. Is now the right time to invest, or should we wait a little? And lastly, Pfizer saw a great quarter. But is it the vaccine they're banking on? Or their medical platform play, known as mRNA? All this and more, coming right up. TFC's weekly market update scours the net to find worthy financial news to be further discussed and expanded. It is a banter session with facts, figures, and fun to help you get caught up in the world of investing. So join in the banter live with me, Rakesh, your host, weekly Tuesdays at 8pm on our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. Okay, we back. We back. Right, so Reggie, Rakesh, Thomas, we are back here once again for TFC updates. Right, so every week we'll uh, try to find the more interesting stuff in the markets uh, and expound on it. Right, try to go deep and expand on things. So this, I think, this few weeks gonna be pretty pretty exciting, lah. Right, guys, because like earning season, so and much all stuff. that jazz. Right, so a lot, a lot. Like we 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 cannot finish. You know, we don't need to find fillers this week. <laughs> It's like so many companies coming out with reports and so many updates, so many thoughts. So just want to put it out there that if you have any questions pertaining to what we're discussing, you can put it in the comment section and we'll try to engage your questions um, on the spot. Okay, and for all of you that are tuning in and for all of you that are not tuning in, uh, get your friends to tune in, share on our socials and whatever you. But we'll also post this content onto our new podcast, TFC Stock Geek Out. It's going to come out very soon. I think tomorrow or tonight or something. Okay, anyway, our role, I start. Okay, so the first news in the house. Okay, Tencent loses exclusive music rights. I'm sure you've seen this over the week. Mm. Over the weekend, uh, all sorts of talk and people make it sound like, oh, it's another regulation. The Chinese government is going to do more to try to regulate monopolies and all that jazz. Uh, but specifically on this situation, Tencent is losing exclusive rights and they need to be able to end this exclusive licensing rights in 30 days. Okay, and it's a part of China's crackdown. Lah. But for clearer reference, okay, for clearer reference, you need to understand that it does not mean that Tencent can no longer stream these music. It just means that the licensing party, Universal Music, Sony Entertainment, they all can also license the music to other people. In other words, today in China's ecosystem, Tencent is the biggest music ecosystem, right? So uh, QQ Music, quite, uh, what's the other few? QQ Music, Kuko uh, Music, Kuo Music, all part of Tencent's ecosystem and it's like 615 MAU. Okay, so essentially, you want to listen to JJ Lin, right? You listen to J Cho. It's all on Tencent <laughs> only. Right? So you cannot listen to any other people. And uh, China is coming to regulate this thing to allow the licenses to sell to other providers. Lah. And of course, the other providers are pretty happy. NetEase is very happy and cheer on China. So, any thoughts, guys? Any thoughts on this particular news? I think it's pretty good for um, competition in general. But uh... Slowly, uh, we can see Tencent's grip over this like entertainment or content, right, slipping away. Um, I think this is one of the bigger ones that has happened to them so far. They've been playing ball of the government so far, uh, but um, we'll see, we'll see. Yeah, ByteDance is, is really um, catching up to Tencent. Um, and especially in the content and entertainment spaces, uh, they're just going very, very strong. Um, inside China alone, they're one of the biggest competitors to Tencent's uh, business model. Um, so we'll have to see what Tencent has to do about that. Yeah, you you are you are you are like a bite dance bull, right? Everything is bite dance. Bite dance is challenging everyone. <laughs> so I I I totally get that. But I think um for specificity and clearance sake, right? Tencent Music is the dominant player. So essentially, it's like Apple, Spotify, mm. and Audible all put together. That is Tencent Music, right? In China, <laughs> so they dominate the whole space. And uh, essentially, eighty percent of music licensing rights are by Tencent Music. So eight in ten songs you can only listen on Tencent Music. Even though they're gonna lose their rights today, it does not mean two things. It does not mean that their competitors can definitely buy the rights because they have to buy from all these sellers. So if, you know, if they don't have the cash flow and they don't have the money to buy all these rights in a short period of time, Tencent Music still has, 
you know, that leap ahead of them and people still consume. And it also does not mean that now your, your competitor can stream the kind of music that you can stream definitely means that you're going to lose your users, okay? Mm. Uh, let's not forget that users are relatively sticky. Uh, I would say like relatively sticky in terms of uh, music consumption. Uh, in At least uh, in Spotify and Apple, we do see some sort of stickiness. Uh, of course, there's a little bit of price war and, and what have you uh, going on. But generally, I don't think it's so easy to just kill it, right? So once again, the market is always ahead of itself. <laughs> in my view, there's a sell down and, and all that jazz, yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, with with this happening, I think it's great. Uh, I think looking at, at the way China operates when it's when it's uh, closed the ecosystem, if you will, right? So it gives mm. really the monopolistic competition, or if you want to call it the monopoly to one person, let it grow, um, let the company grow. Monopoly to one grown. person, monopoly to one, one person. One company. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> specific. Specific. I mean, uh, <laughs> and and what we see here is then the growth of that company, right? Really focusing on. On make, getting market share. Effectively, they have the market share, but how can they attain more? How can they get more music? Um, until they have a certain size, and Tencent is a massive, massive conglomerate, right? Um, at this point in time, would it be useful for them just to open up, like what maybe China was looking at, get other companies to come in so that Tencent can reinvent itself, can can do certain things, and maybe even pivot? Um, so those are those are questions that I have. I think it's it's a good step. Um, but on the back of my mind, my question here, and, and really just spitballing, is that is Tencent, uh, or rather, is the China government trying to stop what Ant Group did um, in, in the no. US and try and open up there? Or do they think Tencent is going to do that? Um, or, or, you know, come out of China for that reason and, and now trying to, to limit that? I guess it's an open question why is that? No, I, I okay. I, I'll I'll leave that question for nine pm. Nine pm, we're gonna discuss about about China investing in China and uh, the markets and and all that jazz. But so I think to bring you back to uh, what China's regulations are trying to do, they're very specific. It's data payments and policies, right? So policies that are social that have direct social impact. Uh, they are not trying to regulate every single corner. Okay, so just so happened the anti monopolistic. Uh, situation with Tencent is uh, is the wildest like, at this at, at this point in time, they are the mm. biggest monopoly in this space. Okay, biggest. but um, I yeah. think much like Netflix, um, Tencent Music is extremely big now relative to its competitors. So it is also going into a different model because same as Spotify, same as Apple, they're all facing the same problems where music pro- music producers are trying to increase the licensing fees. Right, so they are trying to charge these distributors more. So all these distributors are finding other ways, like podcasts, uh, long-form content, comedy, audio drama, you know, all those things that um, they can produce in-house. Uh, there's no big need for a star and, and all that jazz that could make it cheaper for them to produce and continue to provide the kind of entertainment quality for their community. So with all that, it does not mean that Tencent will definitely lose and it does not mean that, you know, China just want to kill every single business, right? <laughs> but we'll talk about this uh, slightly later in our discussion at 9pm. So stay tuned for 9pm discussion. Yeah, so that's all for Tencent Music. Let's. I'm going to hand it over to Thomas. Sure, I think what I found interesting last week was uh, the earnings. Basically, just blow up quarter la, for, for anything advertising related. Uh, but other than advertising, there was also Apple. So can't ignore that. Basically, their gross margins are now 43% compared to 38%. And for a hardware company, I mean, a bulk of it is, is selling your iPhones, right? It's just crazy. La. Yeah. No matter what um, people are saying, the economy is not so good, COVID and all that, for some reason, people are still buying iPhones. Uh, in US, I'm not sure whether people are actually using their emergency like package for that or they're using it to trade. Um, in, for other people, yeah, must replace iPhone every year. So you already have, you already see that kind of customer your loyalty. Like every year, you just upgrade. Um, maybe you just um, send it back for for the recycling. You get a few credits, and then you just upgrade, and you keep going. I think that's a pretty good business model to be in. Uh, yeah. Um, anyway, what what other than its iPhones, right? Uh, it's also got the wearable section. So basically, your Apple Watch. Um, this grew by forty percent year on year. Whoa. So quite significant. Yeah, it's massive. It, usually you see this kind of growth in software um, because <laughs> basically you have so much uh, uh, leverage, right? It's, it's just yeah, it's forty percent. The wearables. Basically, only Apple can do this, right? I mean, Google tried with uh, Motorola, uh, Fitbit, mm. and uh, GoPro. They all tried all these kind of interesting um, hardware business, but I think so far only, only, <laughs> only 
Apple can provide a forty percent growth on on hardware. So yes, yes, please continue. Yeah, as we talk in the like the Apple stock geekout, right? That we did on TFC. So basically, this mode that Apple has uh, can really become its own competitive advantage. It can eat other markets. So. So basically, you have your iPhones. You have a very loyal customer base already. Any other accessory or any additional Apple product that they push out, right? There's going to be a lot more users, right, who are willing to try at least. And after they try already, they can be even more loyal customers. They keep buying recurring stuff. And here you have it, like, You have a you have an example of this. So just wearables. If they can release release the next version, release the next version of the iPods, eh, sorry, AirPods, and, and more accessories. They take out your charger now. People are still going to buy. Right, your total cost of ownership for iPhone, right, is going to increase, but people are still going to spend more. Yeah, I think I think that's really really strong. Nice, very cool. I think you know, with with regards to that, you you mentioned I think iPhone, right? Was there any growth there? Because I do know that that's their biggest contributor, right, to the revenue. Uh, I think it's more than fifty percent, isn't it? Right, right. I think the wearables um, grew a lot more because we see it started out with a low number, right? So the, the, mm. the, that's why the, the 40% year on year is so striking. Um, but iPhones, it grew um, not by uh, 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 like as, as high as the wearables amount, but uh, basically... <laughs> They, they, I'll, they be shocked, I'll be shocked like, if it grows. Of course if not. Grows uh, 40, 40%. 40%. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay, but total share of the revenue of uh, Apple, right? It's about forty-eight percent, forty-eight point six to be precise. Yeah. So this is Q three numbers, lah. So they hmm. decline. Wow. Uh, it actually increased slightly. Increased slightly. Increased. Okay. Okay. I do. I do want to see Apple kind of have the iPhone revenue decline uh, as a total percentage of their. Uh, revenue structure because I do think <laughs> I, I do think you know um, I mean it's very dominant they have a very big market you know they have a strong loyal brand uh, I know when we did the geek out we found it very hard to uh, say any bad things about Apple specifically <laughs> you know but uh, because their goal now is to focus on uh, softwares right their goal is trying to grow the uh, user ecosystem and not so much just the hardware in itself so I do want to see uh, a lot more growth in terms of their apps in terms of uh, building up that engagement ecosystem with payments and, and all that, right? So uh, if we continue to see heavy reliance on hardware, it's not a bad thing. I mean, it's, it's a very big cash generation for them. Uh, but it, it may suggest that, oh, you know, they're they like they're not executing software as well, right? So And, and you kind of see it, right? In a lot of the software apps that they are they're pushing out, it's, it's very default app. You know, it's like, oh, this is a default stock app. This is a default write-up app. <laughs> default camera. You know, and, and mm. it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, this is what it is. But there are all these other app companies that are, they are doing so much better. Uh, and mm. yeah, so I, I do want to see Apple double down on the app ecosystem and really try to harness their own apps to another level. And uh, in that sense, whether or not they can then dominate the app space as a question mark, but that's definitely going to help consumers. We're all going to get better user experience. Yeah, so that's something that I hope to, to see from Apple. Well, I, I mean, I, I think I disagree, right? I think they're doing a lot in the software space and that's the reason their hardware is growing, right? Um, I, don't think, I don't think that's right. So if you think about it, two forms here, right? With Apple's software, um, what it does more often than not is just link the hardware devices, if you look at it that way, right? If you have an app or you run from your phone to your Mac, it's seamless, right? No other, no other software effectively can give you that. I'm not too sure about Windows and Android, but I don't think that's possible. Um, so that's effectively their stickiness. And that's why people go with variables. People go with the hardware because it just syncs, right? Um, and so I think that's what they're doing really, really well. And the more um, hardware that they create or they pivot or they go into, they make sure that that key revenue driver still sticks. And I mm. think that's that's their secret sauce, right? You cannot okay. run away from any of this. Yeah, I, I just want to be specific that, you know, I think yeah. uh, there's a lot of di difference between uh, operating software and, you know, consumer apps, right? So I, I think mm. they're, doing, they're doing a good job on the operating software level. I think that no, no point discussing that part. I mean, they are, they are the dominant guys and they're doing a, a very good job uh, at this point in time. But I think from their consumer app standpoint, um, mm. it may not be something that they want to do. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. But it sounds like they wanted to do something in this space with Apple Arcade and uh, Apple Payment and, and all that stuff. So uh, I want to see coming, more... Coming. 
Yeah, I want. Yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So I want. I want to see more, right? I want to see more. Uh, so I push, think push with with regards to these apps, right? Consumer app, which is actually my second point, is they don't want to cannibalize the app market, and I think that's that's the uh, part that the balance that they're trying to play. I really uh, believe so, because if you think about it, all apps, all of your Apple apps, are going to be on your phone anyways, right? So more often than not, they're going to have to use it. But if you don't use it, they'll get money from another app that could be better. For example, calendar and fantastic help, right? Mm-hmm. Or or mail and a, another mail icon. I don't even know another mail app, right? So, do they want to? Do they even want to do that? Because they do make a lot of revenue out of that. Yeah, agree, agree. I think those are very key um, apps, like in the sense for uh, like iPhone apps or Mac apps for Apple's overall strategy, because basically they want to control everything regarding the the users and the devices, right? But anything that's peripheral to that. Uh, it might be a it might be a better strategy to actually either uh, get other developers to work on it, like all those like indie developers for games, or say like um, IT consultancies. They just uh, create some app here and there. They list it. They get the app store fees, right? And they get a share of the cut or so. So that part, um, if it's strategic for Apple to do their own app, they would. Uh, it has happened in the past where they either bought companies outright or they just built their own and then just competed. Um, other startups to the ground. It has happened. Right? It has <laughs> happened. Yeah. Uh, but well, I think what we're seeing now is is Apple going to more of the content side of things. So like everyone is going to content, right? Your 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 Spotify, <laughs> your Amazon, yeah. your, your, your Google. Yeah. yeah so so yeah. is Apple. So on the software yeah. side of things, uh, uh, Reggie, they're actually trying to do things like um, bundling together the existing apps really under one subscription, and mm. basically they call it mm. Apple One. Yeah, for the lack of creativity, mm. uh. So buy Apple yeah. One today, and then you get music. <laughs> TV Plus, Arcade, insurance. iCloud, Insurance, yeah, yeah. Insurance. Uh, soon, 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 insurance. yeah. You get mouth, you can fly your mouse or so. Bro, they should the totally, yeah. they should totally do insurance at the at the Apple Store, right? It's it's like, mm. you know, the premium is is infinite, right? <laughs> they, they they can make the margins are infinite on 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 insurance, but yeah. So don't they don't they do um iPhone rentals? So you don't actually own an iPhone, you just rent it every month, and every month you get a new when the new one is released. You get a really? new iPhone. I'm not sure. Actually. Yeah, really? they did that I don't in the know. US. They're doing that. I don't know. I don't know. Oh. I don't know. But but I think I think uh, on the on the point of content, the the interesting part is, I think too many people are focused on content distributors. They are not focusing on uh, content creators, All right? So and I'm not talking about independent content creators. I'm talking about big production houses, Universal Music, Sony Entertainment, World mm. Wrestling, and uh, WWE. You know, uh, sold down over the year. You know, but. Uh, there are a lot of all these big platforms that are buying up a lot of these content players or at least buying a lot of content, licensing a lot of content. You see TV rights, mm. you see streaming rights going up 2x, 5x, 10x, you know, um, from 10 years ago when they first signed to like re- recent uh, signing of all the licensing rights. They are all multiple folds ahead. So um, I think people, for a lot of uh, people that are exploring this streaming play or trying to be in the content uh, business, you know, when you're looking to invest... Maybe you want to look into some of these producers, some of these companies that are producing content, digital entertainment, uh, movies, and what have you, right? And don't just focus on the whole tech play because uh, I think they're all bidded up quite crazily at this point in time. So yeah, shall we move on? Right. Um, Microsoft has had a a stellar quarter, right? Um, I think overall, their revenue rose about 21%. It's now at (laughs) 46.2 billion. You know why I love, um, you know why I love? because because what? because it's like twenty one percent. I totally get it. For Microsoft, it's a brilliant quarter. It's it's a it's a so, big number, yeah. you know, and and all that. Just, but it's just like following uh, Apple's forty percent of wearables. Like, yeah, uh, <laughs> Microsoft is like mm, uh, put style. <laughs> so, by the way, it's well, you got to look at the absolute value as well, right? Okay, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, wearables bring, are very small. Bring us yeah. the numbers. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> So, like, for example, right, they, they beat analysts' expectations by $2 billion, $2 billion, right? Um, and where they saw some of this growth was the cloud, right, Microsoft's cloud. Uh, what they call, I think, the, the intelligent Azure. cloud that grew with Azure, um, which is effectively an AWS competitor, right? Except that if you're using Microsoft's ecosystem, you have to use Azure. Um, and that's what, that's what they call it. Uh, and that rose 30%. Right, so those are some those are some pretty big numbers. In all fairness, Reggie, yeah. good, good, <laughs> not good, even good. looking at the, the apps. There you go. There you go. <laughs> good, good, good. I give it to them. Azure thirty percent growth, very good. Uh, yeah. So I think you know that's that's really really interesting, right? Given the <laughs> given the, the 
I already thought Microsoft was saturated. They own a certain percentage, right? Obviously, AWS, if you look at it, they own the majority. I think it's 20-something percent. Uh, Microsoft with Azure owns a little less, but still pretty much there as well. Um, what, what do you guys think? Now, I want to point out that AWS at one point in time in the cloud computing space, they dominated with more than 50% mm. of the overall market. Okay, so all the other competitors, whether is it Google Cloud, whether is it Azure, IBM, Red Hat, whatever you, all the other guys add together couldn't even compete with AWS. Okay, but AWS for the longest time ever has been charging quite a premium. So they are pretty expensive, okay, relative to the other guys. And like you rightfully point out, um, the thing about Microsoft is that Microsoft has a very extensive enterprise ecosystem. Right, so they have a lot of licensing and they have the whole ecosystem built within the Microsoft. Of course, these days with the new CEO, they have went into the whole GitHub crazy open source kind of thing, which was quite wild, right? Because for the longest time, they do yes. all these licensing, closed ecosystem. Yeah, it's a very now big they, yeah, Now they buy the biggest open source platform, which is GitHub. Uh, but a lot of the development and a lot of the cloud is still building on the Microsoft ecosystem today. Right, so if you think about it, uh, in a closed ecosystem like Microsoft's enterprise ecosystem, uh, they they charge licensing and they they bill you everything in bulk, right? So uh, mm-hmm. with that, <laughs> with that, right, uh, they definitely can provide more value per ticket, okay, for a lot of these uh, client, whether it's enterprise or developers, and in that sense, I'm not particularly surprised with uh, Azure's growth, you know, but I am definitely very elated with Azure's growth, right? So I. I'm uh, sad to say I I only own a small bit of Microsoft. I was thinking to which portfolio. Anyway, <laughs> I got a few portfolios. So yeah, I think I own a little bit of Microsoft. Okay, just putting it out there. Uh, but I would have I will be you know a wealthier man if I bought a little bit more Microsoft. But anyway, uh, it's not for entertainment, education purposes only, not recommendation uh, by any chance. So, no, so not put out, um, not I think enough. one one more note to note, right? I mean. Yes, their cloud has grown and, and all these things, but it's also because of the circumstances, right? And I think that needs to be said. And maybe Thomas, you're going to bring up some mm. stuff on Alphabet with regards to cloud. I'm not entirely sure, but no, 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 no. because everyone's okay. Really? <laughs> with regards to you know, re- with regards to remote work, with regards to all of this, everyone is moving towards this cloud-based computing systems, right? It's not your localized um, or IVPN to the internet or, or anything like that. Um, <laughs> you are going to do it within the within you know the the environment that is Microsoft because they've got the whole suite. So they it might be having some sort of deal early on so that you get the whole thing from scratch and people can still work from home and still manage that, that entire ecosystem, right? So I think mm. that's that's another call out which which a- absolutely contributes to their, to their growth. Thomas, they, what are your thoughts? They definitely <laughs> have a lot of package deal, okay? So for all of you listening, right, whoever that calls you with Microsoft Teams. You know, they ask you to, hey, hell, have a call, but then they use Microsoft Teams. Right? Definitely the company buy some sort of package from Microsoft, right? So OneDrive, Microsoft OS, Office 365, Azure, everything. Right? It's confirmed package deal, right? So that's the beauty of the Microsoft ecosystem where they sell bulk in the enterprise software, okay? And just let everybody that will call me with Microsoft Teams, I want you to know the UI sucks for Microsoft Teams. <laughs> no. <laughs> like that, I, do, I, do have, I do have a few people oh, that don't like Microsoft, Microsoft Teams, like a fair number. <laughs> I, I don't like it, my bro. Like, like Zoom and uh, Google Meets are so much easier. But, but, but like it or not, like as, as, uh, just, just based on this short little discussion, you realize that Microsoft does not need to do everything to the best, but they just need to do sufficiently decent they can sell it in a bulk with their enterprise, right? So, and, and that's what they're milking and that's what they're doing, right? So, although, like what you said, that there's a very big tailwind that all of these big cloud providers are riding on, it is still worthy to note that Azure is growing faster than the others. That's why it can grow its market share broadly in the market. So, yeah, shout out to Microsoft, man. I think they're doing a good job. Yeah, Thomas? I, I think the, the, the users for Microsoft or for any other com- competing app out there is, is different. Um, I wouldn't comment so much about the UI. Uh, it's more of like it's just designed for different users. Okay, like, just just take it for example, like people who <laughs> are more corporate. Correct, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's a very different product. It's a very different audience. It's designed like very different. Like, you cannot compare a Facebook and you cannot compare uh, a LinkedIn. Like, Facebook is meant for mass consumers, right? Like people go there to go and get updates about their like stalk their friends or whatever, right? And you cannot compare the same UI to LinkedIn because LinkedIn is more corporate yes, and it cannot course, also course. get the same kind of like functionality. So it's really designed very differently. Um, yes. Even if you ask, say, engineers, right, some may actually like Teams, 
Yeah. Mm. Um, as compared to say Slack or like Metamos or, or um, instead of like uh, other alternatives like. But we can agree that we don't use Skype, right? So <laughs> some products <laughs> some, or Hotmail, right? Yeah. Which so some all, products I think Microsoft have the, killed. Yeah. Which are all part of the Microsoft ecosystem. <laughs> so, yes. so yes. They 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 know they that that's not Skype their, their, their forte. Yeah. So they focus more on the other areas which is uh, meant for enterprise use. Lah. And uh, yeah, Rakesh, I agree that um, because of COVID, there's a rapid, rapid pace of uh, digitalization in a lot of different companies. So what used to be like, oh, a five-year plan, eight-year plan to digitalize? Yeah, now more than ever, right, that has been shifted all the way to the front already. So um, Microsoft is seen as the go-to solution uh, to actually do this rather than having like a lot of different solutions or systems, right, trying to do the same thing. So yeah, as a package, uh, like Rajiv mentioned, just one shot, you can really get a lot of things really. Uh, whether UI is good or not, um, that, that's, that's up to the users. Lah, yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs> the IT budgets are still increasing for Microsoft uh, every year uh, by about like 20 to 30%. Yeah. Mm. So I think corporate IT spending is still going to increase. Microsoft is going to be the, the main beneficiary for that. The reality is all these transformation is not going to disappear. Okay, it's not like it's uh, specifically for Microsoft's business. It's not like uh, retail entertainment. It's not like retail shopping. You know, it's very core business processes. And uh, it's very hard to roll back once you've gone tech. And like, you know, yeah, I'm sure you guys had some days when the, the internet does not work and you just cannot work, right? So, uh, it, <laughs> those it's were great quite, days. Those were great yeah. days. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So by extension, uh, Microsoft's transformation is gonna uh, the the big tech transformation in into the enterprise ecosystem or. It's definitely going to benefit Microsoft uh, pretty well, right? So cash generation, they can do a lot of interesting stuff. By the way, LinkedIn is also owned by Microsoft. <sighs> so, yeah, good stuff. Absolutely. I think more is going to be covered in our Microsoft Stock Geek Out. Yeah. Mm, Microsoft Stock Geek Out, we recorded already. It's going to come out soon, so you're going to follow our podcast. I don't know if Harry has yeah. already lived this. But yes, yeah, so, uh, just join our Telegram group and you know you can get all the updates. By the way, if you have any questions specific to any of the stocks, please drop them in the comment section and we'll try to answer you. Okay, my turn. So after all this big tech reporting, you know, very, very stellar results and what have you, there's also a whole host of listings going on in the market, right? So from Coursera hmm. to Oatly and of course, the recent week, Robin Hood has listed. Right? So why did I want to bring out Robin Hood, right? It's not that Robin Hood didn't perform... <laughs> You know, uh, they didn't come up with a stellar IPO and, and what have you. But I actually went through Robin Hood's numbers and to try to understand their business a little bit better. So let me just give you some, uh, give you guys some numbers. So Robin Hood has a monthly active user base of 17.1 million. Okay, so they have 17 million using, 17 active people mm. using their app, 17 million active users. But the total asset under custody is only 81 billion. So all the money of these 17 billion people, uh, 17 million people add together is only 81 billion dollars. Okay. Mm. Take this as a reference. You look at other people, other people in the brokerage business like IBKR, Interactive Brokers, they only have 1.4 million accounts. Okay. So um, one tenth or even lesser of Robinhood. But the total customer equity is 363 billion dollars. Okay, wow. so it's it's a lot more than you know. It's uh, what Robinhood has is is at least five, close to five x uh, Robinhood's total uh, asset under custody. Okay, so if you if you look at it from this angle, you realize that they they look like they are in the same business, but they're actually in very different business. The the way they operate, the way they are models, you know, it's not all brokers are the same. And for additional reference, IFAS FSM one, which is the biggest broker listed here in Singapore, has uh, asset under management of. Uh, not asset under management, uh, asset under administration. They don't manage it, mm. just all the custody. They're all just using different terms. Like essentially, all the money of their people add together is $17.5 billion. Okay? And they don't review consumer data specifically, but 73% of all these assets under IFAS is in unit trust. Right? So mm. the highest fees probably come from there. Right, so all your refing fees, your management fees, all your fees, I first, I think they have a very healthy margins relative to Robinhood and uh, IBKR. Of course, there are other brokers. So yeah, any thoughts from you guys specific to Robinhood? Yeah, I think Robinhood is more of the retail market, whereas IBKR is it's like some retailers actually use it, but the interface might be a bit clunky. 
but more often than not, professional uh, like hedge funds, FIs, they actually use IBKR. Uh, I'm not sure about IFAS, haven't used that yet. Uh, Robinhood specifically, well, IPO, I think $38, right? Mm. Yeah, but I didn't see much jumps there. So I guess it was either fairly priced or a bit overpriced. Huh? I, I didn't Kathy Wood came in to save the day. Kathy Wood yeah. came in to save the day. She, she bought some. Oh, did she? Oh my God, you sound like she's your friend. Oh, did she? Right? I just called her yesterday, right? Yeah, did, oh, she? did, did she? Did she do that? Yeah. yeah we had, we tea, had tea yeah. last week. <laughs> but yeah, she came in to buy some. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, continue. No, I think, yeah, for me... um. You know, Robin Robin Hood was. I mean, I I thought that they they tried to go on a different mission, right? They, I believe they're also targeting the younger people. The that uh, as far as I know, Robin Hood stands for it's trying to democratize mm. finance, right? So <laughs> as soon as the AMC thing popped up or, or or GameStop, first name that you hear is Robin Hood, right? Um, is that a negative impact? Is that a positive impact? I don't know, but I think they're targeting millennials. They're targeting the younger generation, and these gener- and these people don't necessarily have the wealth to invest in, right? Again, as what Thomas said, is, is it is retail investors. So I don't think they're targeting the now. They could be targeting the mm. 10 years from now. Um, that's the way that I see it. Uh, your numbers are not staggering for Robinhood. So with regards to the to the IPOs, I can understand why it's plateauing or maybe even declining from time to time. But is yeah. this the game plan? Yeah, market cap on? currently is about 22, 23 billion. So um, every, yeah, you, you mm. know, you, you kind of you kind of look at the market cap based on the asset under the, the whole administration, then you'll be like, okay, you know, it's, it's about 4x, uh, pretty interesting. But generally, I think the idea for people, why do I bring up this specifically is because, uh, again, not all brokers operate in the same business model. Um, Robinhood specifically, they scale very fast from a user interface or user acquisition standpoint. They have a lot mm. of users. It's true. But also in this process of scaling, right, they have chose not to build their supply chain. So they don't have the clearing houses. They don't really have all the back-end stuff. They actually outsource to a third party. Not in the sense of like outsource, but they collaborate with a third party. So they are using other people's clearing mechanism. Um, and that is very vital in the whole uh, brokerage ecosystem at this point in time still. So it's a core part of the businesses. So in that sense, although Robinhood does not charge you any fees from the front, they, they do make money from you know the, the back of clearing with a third party that they, that they collaborate with. And specifically, I think Robinhood did put out that uh, their future is not so much in brokerage specifically. Uh, so they talk about payments, they talk about becoming the, the user, the app, right? The, 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 it's like Super fighting... App. Yeah, the super app, finding cash app, fighting mm. Venmo, fighting PayLa. You know, essentially, essentially everybody wants to be the super app. Yeah, fighting, fighting everything. Everything. Right. But I do I do think okay, so, so okay. So one one interesting observation that I had recently was that actually I do think that financial apps tend to be the stickiest. You know, just on the basis of um you put your money there, you're comfortable, you're used to it, and uh, the taking the money out is going to be quite tiring in the whole process. I realized that Google can throw tons of money at me. I'm still not using Google Pay. I'm still sticking to my pay. Lah. You know, all these brokerages... Okay, okay, okay. Anyway, oh. yes. yes. Oh my he's, he's, he's quite a boomer. I cannot use Instagram. I read a lot. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, hey, hello, hello. Come, come, also, uncle. Hello. We teach you. Come. Okay, okay, yes. And a lot of all, a lot of all these brokerage, uh, recently, they are also throwing a lot of money at, at us, right? And I've also not pivoted. I've just stuck to what I've always used, right? So I, I, I do think that the cost to acquire people mm. is going to be pretty high. It's relatively sticky. Mm. So there is a chance where I do think that they can go into this whole super app structure where with their 17 million users, they can do payment, they can do lending, they can do insurance, they can do all that stuff. But it is easier said than done. Okay, I, I don't think it's... Um, it's just like, I'll just be just open up new features. Uh, so simple, right? So there are a lot of other things that needs to be built from a supply chain standpoint. I know these days there are a lot of APIs that can help them build up. Uh, but yeah, in, in that whole sense... I want to just kind of put it out there that Robinhood is not exactly very profitable. <laughs> and mm. uh, as a business, uh, yeah, like, I, will, I will stay out of it. Like, generally, I stay out of IPOs. Like, okay? The first, first year of IPOs, I don't buy. Uh, and there's a rule of thumb because I, I'm not sure whether the management is capable of managing it as a listed, listed company. And I'm also not sure whether are the investors here for the long term or they're here just to exit. 
Uh, so I do believe that Robin Hood has a much longer runway in general, but um, for a lot of people that are listening in, the question is, so should I buy Robin Hood? You know, my view is uh, maybe you can wait a while and, and see see how it goes. Lah. See see whether there are payment apps, they do catch up and, and, and all that jazz. Because, you know, Robin Hood mm. can try to go payments. The payment guys also can try to go broker. Right, so yep. everyone is fighting this this super app yep. thing. is uh, It's not unique to them, lah. But I think it's also it's also noteworthy, right? Um, so I'm just reading here that uh, regulators in Massachusetts are looking to ban its citizens from using Robinhood. Oh, um, I don't know how true this is. I'm just reading this now, and the the reason being is that Robinhood is meant for millennials. And it's actually heavily gamified. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's causing, apparently causing its users to take a lot of risk, right? Um, and it, to a certain instance, gamble, right? With their, with their savings. Um, and therefore, in Massachusetts, the state of Massachusetts, failing its fiduciary rules. And through that legislation, they can apparently ban its citizens from, wow. from using the app. So that, I think that's, that's uh, noteworthy for anybody that is looking at Robinhood or looking to understand a bit more about Robinhood. Mm-hmm. Um, to, you know, just yeah, I think earlier eye. this year, Robinhood, um, they, they announced someone actually took his life because he saw like huge negative balance on his on his portfolio. Yeah, he, like, he took an option trade uh, outright. I think he was short and then after that, uh, there wasn't oh, enough no. to cover. Uh, but the mm-hmm. balance was actually wrong. And the guy thought he was like, oh, that's it. Lah. Yeah, then he took his life. So yeah. maybe there's more regulations that's going to come in to, to try and like clamp Robinhood down from just doing this. Because it's too gamified, yeah. Mm, uh, but yeah. personally speaking, I think their whole business model is is a bit, uh, not very sustainable, uh, To put it bluntly, because mm, it's, mm. it's basically just payment for order flow, right? You're selling that to others. It might be profitable in the short term, but anyone else can also do it. There's a lot of other players that do that. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, if they do try to transit over into say like a wallet or some kind of like payment system, like a TransferWise version three mm. or something, yeah. Um. What what are people interested? Revolut, yeah, revolut. Mm. Yeah, but what are the margins on that? It's really, really low. Very low. Mm. But I will, I will, although margins are low, I'll be a tad bit more interested in that because if you can yeah. keep uh, the, the, the users on and, you know, they could spend and they could do everything on your app, I think there's a lot more ways to monetize. Uh, insurance is definitely a great business to go into. Okay, sorry, big mm. fan of selling insurance. You know, not a big fan of buying insurance. There's a reason why. Okay, insurance is a high margin business and if you do it well, um, there's a lot of profits to be made. Right? So um, I think, I think that's always, there's always that element of being able to sell micro insurances or even just insurances uh, to their apps, uh, where, like, like platform like Lemonade, right? So um, yeah, Robinhood could potentially be in that game, but you are right. A lot of the easy things that they can pivot into, whether it's wallet, payments, all that jazz, they're all very low margins and very competitive at this moment in time. Right, so but I, I, I do want to reply to Rakesh's uh, point of uh, Massachusetts coming up with legislation. I think this is um, <clears throat> pretty common in the US. Uh, same with the whole e cigarette saga last year, uh, or was it last last year? Okay, a bit boomer, uh, but because 2020, 2020 cleaned out the whole year, uh, so I tried to catch up which year is it. But I remember there was this one year, I think it was 2019, Jewel. I'm not sure if you guys remember Jewel. Uh, one of the e-secret babies, okay, which was uh, invested by Altria, was actually uh, went through a whole process of you know this whole legislation saga, and they got banned and what have you, right? They cannot advertise to consumers and 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 all that jazz, right? So Jewel was also kind of attacked pretty hard with a lot of legislation, uh, and maybe mm. in the short term things will things will will shake a little bit, and but also recognize that state legislation and federal legislation is very different in the US. Um, Federal legislation is the legislation of the land, which everybody has. State is just within within that particular state. Okay, so if it's just a state, maybe you know it's just something to be conscious about, but not something to be like super concerned. Uh, but much like any other legislation, <laughs> businesses will find a way to work around it. <laughs> so so that is that is my view. Okay, cool. Thomas, Google. All right. Yeah. Um, Alpha. Alpha. Basically, it's just a huge, huge, huge company. Uh. Um, well, it's the biggest one. So, their quarterly profit actually tripled to $61.9 billion. <laughs> What? It's so crazy. Uh. Are, you, are you kidding me? 300, 300%? Yeah, for their quarter. Uh, for their quarter. Holy yeah. So, the so majority of it is from the search engine. Wow. It's from YouTube, right? Uh, I think their ROI on YouTube is, is just ridiculous. They, they bought it for $4 billion. Oh man, yeah. YouTube. 
they, they bought it for four billion and then I think it's generating four billion every other month or mm-hmm. yeah now it's just just a lot more yeah so right we're basically just a lot of ad spend because everyone's staying at home they're stuck with the screens right the amount of time that people are, are on their screens they're glued to it um, ads in general are going to do pretty well uh, during this whole corona period yeah um, so forecasted to make 130 billion in ad revenue this year so there will be an increase of 25% last year and uh, how much control they actually have on the worldwide digital ads market it's about 28% so mm. largest ever yeah, it's <laughs> very, 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 very huge. Yeah, mm. I, I, I don't think um US is gonna do anything to to try and break them up more for 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 other companies though. Yeah, but yeah. we'll see. I, we'll I, see. Yeah, I think I think I want to specifically bring out that I'm not sure. I'm sure you guys use YouTube, right? I'm sure some of our listeners have are listening to YouTube, and uh, all that jazz. I'm not sure if you guys have observed, but YouTube has increased their ad pushes. So in the past, there was only one ad. And now there are like two ads in the same ad bracket. Okay, and they 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 op- they optimize it yeah. quite well that over time you 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 didn't really feel like it's here, but it's here. Okay, so so they have changed this whole ad consumption process. They have they have essentially trained their users to consume more ads. All right, so that's quite wild, you know. But of course, uh, as someone that's a little bit more sophisticated in this kind of uh, experience, thank you. You know, I, I am vividly aware of the a lot of fake gurus disturbing my YouTube videos. So so I'm like, why everybody trying to sell me something? Yeah, you know, buy more property. I'm losing two hundred thousand opportunity cost. This cost, that cost, whatever you right. So they're all disturbing my YouTube videos, and I'm experiencing that. So YouTube has amazingly increased that that you can consume more ads on their platform. So that's quite wild. And also, uh, YouTube short stories is performing very well from an insider standpoint. Uh, we do have mm. information here and there that YouTube short story is very well, right? And it's essentially trying to rival uh, TikTok. Right? So same as when Snapchat came out uh, with the whole story thing, every major platform copied it, uh, specifically from Facebook. Um, now with TikTok and its short videos, every other platform is also trying to do something like that. With Clubhouse, everybody else is trying to do. So yeah, uh, just a word of caution for everybody trying to invest in the next big tech thing that, that big tech can come and disturb your big tech thing. Right? So yeah. yeah so it's just like with. a... After all, it's just like a feature, right? It's not, say, like a new product. Like a software, whole new experience and all. It can just be just yeah, lumped together into an existing product and then just build a new experience on top of it. Hey, how, how's Clubhouse, by the way? Do you, you still use? No, I don't use Clubhouse anymore. Any, anyone use Clubhouse, oh, you can drop in the comment section so. and let me know if you use Clubhouse. I thought Clubhouse was wait, quite... Wait. <laughs> Clubhouse. Who bought an iPhone just to try clubhouse oh my god no no don't do that don't anyone? do that put that in the comments please yes, put that in the comments you want to find out more I've heard yeah crazy I'm sure anyway welcome to the Apple ecosystem hey but I wanted I wanted to make <laughs> I wanted to make a comment on your on your YouTube ads right I thought I thought I didn't I didn't I understood why you said that and I think I agree with that right they're sort of training you to listen to to, to ads um, either that or you pay the subscription, right? And it always pops up. It's so annoying. I bloody hate it. Um, but something that I noticed, right? Yes, you do get a spell of two bra- uh, two ads in that bracket. Um, there are also more brackets as you watch the video. And um, they actually know what ads to show you. So for example, um, they in the say in one ad, you have the two ads. Right? In the one ad bracket, you have two ads. In the first one, they give you, say, a five-second one that you can't skip. You have to watch. And the other one, you can allow to skip after five seconds, right? That goes back to your video. But as I do that, after a while, I realize I don't have the button to skip the ad anymore oh. because they're both five-second mm-hmm. videos, right? So they notice that you're skipping the ad. And so, you know what? I'll just play you five-second videos and you just have to sit through it if you want to watch that video. At least that's what I've noticed. I don't know if it's the ingenuity, but I wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. if it is that they're understanding ad behavior and then tweaking their algorithm. I think that's brilliant. Like, I'm sorry, but I think Do you know the term uh, captive audience? No, I don't know. Tell me more. Okay, so like no. sometimes you see uh, in the lifts or like waiting for a lift outside, there's some screen, right? And then you're just waiting. So you've got nothing else to do, right? And then you just look at the screen. Like, oh, what's that? Then an ad shows. So, and then if you're in the lift, there's another screen and then you've got nothing. You can't look at each other and then it'll be weird, right? So you look at the screen. So that's a captive audience. You have nowhere else to look but at that screen. So now imagine, right, the captive audience is, you are all captive audiences at home. Yeah. 
on yeah, your phone. Yeah, so you're gonna watch the videos anyway, right? You're gonna just ah uh, just 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 thank it like Just five seconds, right? These five seconds across all their users. Let's say like like what three four billion users, right? Mm. It's gonna mm. constitute a lot of ad revenue for them. So they're just gonna do this, and then they will probably like add on more layers. So yeah, after the five seconds video, it's gonna be one that you can skip, or the one before that. They'll just try different variations based off yeah. your your segmenting. Mm. Yeah, and I just want to put it out there that I think um, YouTube has, like, like what you brought out is uh, Google's Best Buy. <laughs> and in that sense, because Google has used their old search <laughs> mechanism um, to be back into YouTube, right? So these days, I think a lot of us, uh, we may even just search on YouTube, you know, like, hey, uh, which camera review? Or, you know, mm. I want to learn how to cook this dish. Or, I want to travel to this place. I want to see if any vloggers have went there and all that jazz. Right? So a lot of people are already using YouTube. And for everybody that's trying to create content, you know, you may want to consider being on YouTube because when you are on YouTube, actually your SEO gets pushed up on all of Google, right? So they have their own Ooh. ecosystem and all that jazz, right? That's so, interesting. That's yeah, really interesting. Yeah, yeah. So if you have YouTube channel, you have some YouTube videos, you, you don't need to be a big YouTube star, but you put your presence there, you are searchable on YouTube it actually pushes up, you know, uh, yourself on Google also. So that's pretty interesting. Uh, but yeah, I think Google is a, is a, is a crazy guy. Lah. <laughs> so same with all other big tech. I think they, they may be a little bit too big for comfort at this point in time. I'm a little bit concerned about their repercussion on society. But as an investor, I think, you know, you should feel happy that your companies are making money. Lah. But in the longer term, what's the social impact? And that's a whole discussion for another day, right? So we don't have a lot of of time left let's wrap up with the mrna discussion with pfizer yeah okay so i think you know we've talked a lot about tech let's let's move on to something that we all <laughs> are waiting to hear about right we all run run around get our vaccines and and pfizer was one of the first few to, to release their vaccine i think actually in all fans i think sputnik was the first one but uh let's talk about pfizer right <laughs> um so pfizer's <laughs> so Pfizer, obviously, I think, you know, as, as uh, the boomer over there tries and drinks the water, uh, <laughs> um, we'll try and, and, and give you some numbers with regards to their growth, right? So um, in Q2, they increased their revenue by 92% uh, compared to the previous year and 86% in operation growth. Right, that's that's their improvement, which I think is great. Right, it's not the the three hundred percent that Google did, it's so <laughs> um, it's it's overshadowing this for now. But, <laughs> but it is, it is. I mean, for for hardware, right? Uh, obviously, it's it's to do with the, the purchases of the COVID nineteen vaccine um, that that started um, effectively ramping up really quickly around the globe, right? Uh, with with co uh, countries hoarding it, uh, those that are making it, the US, for example, um, and and really. That's and I think that's that's going to be the future moving forward, at least for the next six months or so. Um, and I know, you know, with with the double shot, people have taken their first shot. They're looking at the double shots, but we have countries that are not even taken those vaccines yet. And those are those are big vaccines mm. as well. Uh, those are big countries, right? We've got Africa. We've got uh, I know Indonesia is, is supposed to be Sinovac, but you know, at what point can they bring in Pfizer, for example, or any other forms mm. of, of vaccines? Um, and I think that is. I think, yeah, I just wanted to say that that's, that's not worthy, right? So if you are looking at, at Pfizer, um, is this a good time to invest? Or should you have gone in a little earlier? Oh. Right? So I think that's that's a question. What do you guys okay, pharma think? Pharma is generally very complicated. I will recommend everybody to not be in pharma. Right? So if you, if you don't understand uh, <laughs> pharma's business, you don't understand the insurance business, you don't understand the distribution business of pharmaceuticals, you want to generally avoid uh, investing in big pharma, all right, or even small pharma to be exact. Um, it's very complicated. But uh, I think what is interesting about Pfizer, I'm not recommending you anything, okay? Uh, but I think what's interesting about Pfizer is the mRNA platform. I think this is something that a lot of people don't understand. It's the same as CRISPR as a technology, you know, like, uh, you know, you can cut your DNA and all that stuff, right? The CRISPR technology. Uh, that is the platform. But the application is endless. You can do a lot of things with all those stuff. So mRNA is also a platform that's been developed over time. And only recently, it became a big thing because it got applied into this whole vaccine thing that Pfizer has developed. Right? So I'm not so interested about you know, Pfizer's uh, COVAX-2 vaccine or how are they going to perform going forward. 
because uh, yeah, there's only so much that you can really make out of this. It will, it is an extension of their pharmaceutical vaccination business and all that jazz. But it's interesting to note that the mRNA platform that they're developing has a successful, very successful use case, you know, globally recognized, and it's also being used to develop uh, into other. Uh, R&D processes in their, in their ecosystem. So they are definitely milking the mRNA platform. And that's the interesting part there. I want to see what are the application it can happen. But my rule of thumb, I'm not in pharma. And generally, I recommend people not to be in pharma, not to be in oil and gas, you know, <laughs> because these sectors are difficult to understand for a retail guy. Uh, there's too many complexities in it. So yeah, that's, that's my base case. But I do like the mRNA platform. Thomas, anything? I think mRNA is, um, this one's not just solely what Pfizer can do, right? Because Moderna no. also is using mm. mRNA. So it's mm. a kind of technology. Um, yes. But you can create vaccines really, really quickly. Uh, I think it's, it's turnaround time is two months, if I recall correctly. But the bulk of time after that, it's really all the, the different trials, um, close end testing, and then making sure it's approved by FDA, at least for emergency approval. Um, yeah, I think it's really, really good. So hopefully, actually, I'm, I'm actually hoping mRNA um, improves so that the vaccination um, can actually, vaccinations worldwide can actually increase uh, or at a faster rate because basically you have new versions of COVID that's coming out, right? So we need to be a bit faster. Yeah, so after the Delta, then you run out of uh, Greeks really to really call the next version of COVID. But we haven't even finished the first version of the vaccine. Yeah, it's, it, it kind of leans that way. I, I, I don't want to be like too um, yeah, negative, but it, it kind of seems that way. So we, we probably need more efforts from, from Pfizer to put into this. Uh, their, their reward is yeah, more revenue. But at the end of the day, the world is kind of relying on them for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and, and ending on that note, ending on that note, uh, like I said, pharma... What I, what I think you should do, buy an ETF, okay? If you really want to be in pharma, it's, it's just too complicated. Not something that I will do. Uh, it's up for all of you, okay? So um, any last things that we want to add? If not, we're going to take a break and we'll come back at 9 p.m., right? So any last things, guys, you want to add? Uh, I think this whole week got a lot of interesting stuff. Like, I think like, Pfizer's going to increase the... Uh, yeah, I think, you know, this these couple of weeks... Yeah, go ahead, Rakesh. You go for it. Don't first. Pise, someone go first. Woo. Okay, so, so, so no, no, Thomas, Thomas, I Thomas, think Pfizer is going to increase their, their, their vaccination uh, prices, especially in Europe. Then Moderna is going to follow as well. So they're really going to milk it. <laughs> interesting. interesting. Mm, I mean, they have to. La. They have to. Um, I think, yeah, with regards to the mRNA, right, it's, it's, it's important to have, but it's only useful at this point for this sort of quick cases. Right. Um, have they been able to apply it previously? Will they apply it post? Um, that's that's always a, that's always a question mark. Question mark huh? I'm, I'm not too quick to, to share about that. But yes, I think this week there are a lot of stuff going on, a lot of new earning reports. So if you have any particular company that you want us to discuss, any particular company you're looking at or any global trend that you want to develop together with us, come to our Telegram group at The Financial Coconut. And uh, stay on for 9pm slot. 9pm slot with Eugene from Vision Capital and Thomas Chua from Steady Compounding to come in together with us to continue to geek out about China because I think there's a lot of uh, new regulations, a lot of things going on with China and all that jazz, right? So that is uh, all the good stuff coming at 9pm. If you have any questions, you know, drop in the comment section so that we can chat about it later at 9pm discussion about China. If you've got any other things you want to discuss with us, come to our Telegram group and sign up for weekly newsletter head over to the financialcoconut.com okay so Rakesh is going to take a break got to get busy Thomas will join me continue at 9pm slot okay so I think that's all for now good stuff guys thanks for tuning in thanks for tuning in to this week's episode with me Rakesh and trust that you learned something today if you enjoyed the session and want to be part of the banter join our community telegram group or follow us on social media. We also have a weekly newsletter to get a digest of the news we covered. To sign up, please click the description below. As always, we love your feedback. So share that with us at hello at thefinancialcoconut.com. Thanks and stay safe.